Hello everyone, welcome to another Ismono podcast and this episode is an old episode from 2021. Back then the podcast was Patreon only. Nowadays you can get a very early access of all episodes on Patreon many weeks before you can actually hear it on this podcast. So if you want to support the channel and the podcast, please check out my Patreon at you know the bow. In this episode I talked to Christian who is one of the YKT originals supporters on Patreon and yeah we talked a lot about EDC bags and more because he's also a photographer. Hello everyone, welcome to another Patreon-only podcast. I hope all of you are safe and healthy. And yeah, today I have the honor to interview Christian McGuinness. Christian is one of the YKT originals who support this channel via the tier 4 group on this Patreon. And for those of you who don't know, one of the benefits in tier 4 is basically that I interview one of the YKT originals to introduce them to you and the rest of the Patreon group. And yeah, without further ado, I will now interview Christian about his interests in bags, how did he get into bags and stuff like that. So yeah, enjoy. All right. So now we're here in the call with Christian. Um, yeah, before we, before I bombard you with questions, I would love to, yeah, maybe you can introduce yourself. And honestly, most of the people listening to that, this podcast probably already know you from the Discord meetups. But for those who haven't attended the meetups yet, maybe you can introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Christian. I'm from Sydney, Australia, uh, and I am a photographer and cinematographer. Currently, I'm primarily doing work in high-end real estate, doing all the advertising and marketing material for some of the top agents in Sydney and Australia right now. That's awesome. So for those who haven't attended the Discord meetups, uh, everyone needs to know that Christian is the real MVP because he always attends the meetups and on his time, what is it like 1 a.m. in the morning or something it, like that? <laughs> it was 2 a.m. <laughs> It the last was time, right? 2 a.m., but, but the last meetup I missed because um, there was a time zone shift and it moved to 12 a.m., uh, 12, like midnight. So, you know, I stayed up for an extra two hours and I'm like, hey, guys, are we starting this? <laughs> that, so so ba do you have like daylight? I always get confused. Where is daylight savings time actually? Is it just in Germany you, you or are, is it everywhere? No, we, we have daylight savings. Okay. Even in Australia, we have like different time zones, even though it's it's not that ridiculously it's, big. We still have different time zones <laughs> in, in different states. And it's just like, I, I never know. I never know. All I know is that my phone will update the time automatically for me but my car won't so half the time i'll think that i'm running late for a job when i'm probably half an hour early <laughs> yeah i remember my the clock in my car is also always like completely off because i don't know how to change it so <laughs> half of the year it's yeah, definitely exactly. completely wrong yeah <laughs> So yeah, thank you so much for the introduction. And yeah, basically this podcast is you being a YKT original. I really want to want other people to know a couple of things why you are basically back enthusiasts, right? So we are here on this community. We are all like back enthusiasts and I would like to know how did you get into liking bags and how did you start becoming one of the bag enthusiasts? Um, so it's it's kind of a little bit of an odd one for me because I always feel like I'm, I'm a little bit of the odd one out in the group because I'm not like super, super hardcore into bags. I, I'm just not. The reason I ended up finding your channel was because 
I fell in love with the EDC side of things. I see. The fact that you're a film editor. And so it was kind of that route because early on when I, when I first found you, a a lot of the content that you were doing was um, based around the fact that you were doing a bit of EDC, a little Mm. bit of, um, film editing stuff, talking oh, about like your okay. carry for the film, film editing stuff, and it wasn't until a bit later that it started getting into, into the bags when you started to really focus down on the bag side of um, mm. things that I was like, okay, well, I'm still interested in this content. I'm still interested in your process and uh, everything surrounding that. So oh, that's cool. As, as much as I do love bags. I don't have that many. Uh, I I have like three bags. Mm-hmm. I made one of them, and the one of them is my full time work bag, five days a week, kind of just throw it around, beat it around. Uh, and the other one is my old work bag. So <laughs> it's like I don't have a, a, a wide range of bags themselves. But I, I found your content. Um, compelling when it came to the edc and film editing editing side of things because i'm big into edc yeah i'm big into the film industry so that was like kind of my attraction to your content i think what's important to note is that you make a lot of leather craftsmanship is that the correct term yeah right uh and yeah i think so Leatherworking. Yeah, leatherworking. And you make wallets, EDC tools, belts, and stuff like that, which is really yeah, incredible yeah. work. And um, thanks, man. I'm not sure if I can, may, if I, uh, if I, um go too far ahead i will edit this out but i already told a couple of the other ykt originals that i already asked you about making an achievement in the near future which would be oh, yeah. like a leather swiss army knife um holder yeah, yeah. what do they reckon they I are didn't, i didn't know they're really excited about it so Hell yeah yes. i think we will definitely do that and Considering Swiss Army knives are so um, it's, widely it's available, tool, yeah. yeah, and it's rather cheap to get. So I would reckon, even if someone doesn't have a Swiss Army knife yet, that would be a very cool opportunity to get one. That'd so, be interesting having the sheath come before the the tool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so yeah, I already hinted. A little bit in the last discord meetup to the other guys that something will be in the works so yeah, yeah then then before let me just then i will probably switch a little bit the questions around but you just uh, said um told me about the bags that you currently are rocking which are those two uh, i assume so, a camera bag and yeah so bag. so the the only bags that i really have i have um <clears throat> sorry i have a duffel bag that is kind of my grab bag that lives in my car. Mm -hmm. It is just like a really standard like military duffel bag um, that has all of my essential gear, like Mm day-to-day stuff. Because I I work on the road, I'm constantly driving. And so I've got a toolkit in there and I've got like medications and Mm -hmm. I've got like spare cables and I've got like all of the the essentials Mm -hmm. sort of stuff that most people would consider having it home but because i work on the road all the time um i I have to have a lot of that stuff with me so that that lives in my car just permanently Mm -hmm. and then my work bag is the uh low pro uh 350 aw Mm -hmm. so it's a little 25 liter uh camera bag Mm -hmm. that is indestructible i i love that thing because it i was looking for a bag that was a semi hard shell but didn't need to take up more space because of the hard shell mm, makes sense so a lot of the problem i found a lot of the problem i found with camera bags is you were either going for something like a pelican case where it's it's not really practical mm. for carrying around all the time or you were going for a bag that is like hyper padded mm. so it's like you lose like a centimeter two three centimeters on either side plus all the padding in between 
it makes a bag like really, really wide or really, really mm. tall. And then as soon as I saw the low pro pro tactic bags, I instantly fell in love. It's it's a really thin but very rigid shell mm. bag that is really indiscreet. It it just looks like a, a normal military bag. Yeah. Um, there's no like it doesn't scream camera bag or sure. the outside too, which is really important. That's and hugely important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really flexible as well. Like mm. you can really, really move everything around inside of it, or it can just be like a completely stripped out shell, mm. like the Go Rocks. Like it could essentially work just like the Go Rocks do, mm. where it's just an empty shell and you fill it with different stuff that you want. I think it's also important to note that um, you are a filmmaker and not necessarily a photographer, which then again means. Just like my camera, you have a cinema camera, which is very huge, um, yeah. big and bulky. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a very important note in consideration to the bag that you choose because a photography backpack, in my humble opinion, can be much smaller than a cinema camera Absolutely. bag. Which, Absolutely. Yeah. And oftentimes they're not as flexible either. Like if you're looking at like a lot of the the camera, like the photography centric mm. bags, they have room for a camera body or two camera bodies. Yeah. They have room for a 50 mil, a 24 to 70 and a 7200 and then a couple of accessories. Mm. Whereas when you go into the video side of things, you've got your camera, all those lenses plus audio gear plus some lighting, plus lots of cables, plus like it, it really stacks up when it comes to video stuff. Mm -hmm. That was something I, I really didn't expect when I transitioned yeah. from photography to videography. Yeah. It was just keeping track of all of the extras that you then have to always keep on you as well. Of course. And and that was like a big consideration as well. I, I went from full-frame Canon cameras when I was shooting when I was doing photography mm. and then I moved completely to a mirrorless system really to save on weight and yeah. size and carrying all of that extra stuff around every single day. Do you carry two camera bodies by the way? I don't. So when I'm shooting like the, the standard real estate um, properties, I have a Panasonic GH5S mm -hmm. uh, and I don't even have that many lenses. I've got the 25 mil which crop sensor means oh, it's a 50 mil. I thought you're, uh, you're rocking the black magic. We've got two black magics for our cinema cameras as well. Yeah. So oh, okay. We, we so kind of, we kind of have two different lanes of the business. Mm, One side okay. is real estate advertising. So the properties okay. that go up for sale and we do the marketing campaigns for those. Mm. And then also we do, short films and advertising and small commercials and things like that and a lot of those or even the really really high end real estate like the 30 million dollar mansions sometimes they get a little bit of special treatment where it's um a, a particular project where we may step we may spend a whole day or two days at a property and I we'll see. shoot it more like a short film mm -hmm. um whereas a lot of the day-to-day sort of videos that we do it is really stripped back like it, it's more showing people the spaces and like getting them through mm. the homes and everything so i have gh5s nice little compact mm. mirrorless camera oh, on a gimbal okay. and like it's it's really lightweight really nimble um but then if we have a project like we do like a big property or a commercial project or something like that we will change out the whole kit and do the black magics and all of the shotgun microphones and okay like all the all the really really high end sort of stuff like we we can switch gears between a running gun setup and a more commercial cinema sort of setup and we we cater to both so Okay, that it, means it's, um, it's not that yeah. full than your your camera bag. I mean, the GH5 no, is, isn't that. No, that no, big. not on the okay. not on the daily. Yeah, okay. not on the daily. On the daily, it's it's my GH5s. Mm -hmm. It's two lenses. It is some Rode 
uh, while it goes. So mm-hmm. tiny, tiny little um, lavalier microphones. Um, and then like batteries and SD cards and stuff. Like it's oh, okay. super stripped back. It's really stripped back. Some days if I'm doing two cameras, but it's still got to be lightweight and run and gun, I will actually use my um, Fuji X100F as a B camera. <laughs> That's a great camera. Which That's is, really yeah. Great. Oh, I love it. It's my absolute favorite. So do I you get rid of every other camera to be that camera? Yeah, that camera is incredible. So would you? So you basically just are rocking whenever you are on your day to day real estate um, job. You only have that one camera bag because I assume you don't need that much more, right? Maybe a gimbal or something like that, but that you basically mm. could put into uh, the water bottle side compartment yeah. of the bag or and something that's, like that. That's exactly what I do. I mm. just strap the gimbal into the water bottle compartment and then if if I need a tripod mm. for any particular shoot, I'll just carry the tripod. But, um, yeah, it's it's super minimal mm. for like the day-to-day stuff, which is why I went for the small pro-tactic bag. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't need to go for something massive when the whole – goal of making that kit because I'm, i made that kit specifically for real estate mm-hmm. um and do you switch i'm so my next question was actually what's your packing style but now i want to switch that question a little bit do you have like a specific do you keep the the organization because most camera bags have all of these dividers and stuff like that do you basically set it up for one specific loading style and keep it like that or do you usually switch it up a little bit depending on the shoot you're going to or do you yeah what's what's your strategy there's there's two parts to that then because for the day-to-day stuff where i'm using my low pro and mm. the the gh5 um that has a very very specific set mm. um pack like pack out for loadout really and that is so that i know that i'm not missing anything mm. so it's like because i only have a really stripped back kit where it's one of each thing mm. i have to be really really aware if anything's missing so if makes I sense can just Open, if I can open the bag up and look straight into it and go, there's a gap, what am I missing? And I know exactly what's meant to live there. And so because I have it set out exactly the same every single time, I can look at a glance, know exactly what's missing. If I've mm. like forgotten to pack my little battery case or if I've taken the microphones out to charge them, I know that that spot is missing and that okay. is exactly where that's meant to be. So I, I never like leave anything at home. Mm. Whereas with the projects where we may be rigging out the cinema cameras, that's on a project-to-project basis. Mm. And I'll get a day, usually, hopefully, a day for gear prep the day before a shoot. And we have um, some hard cases all set out with different positions Mm. for the specific kits. So I know that I've got one whole kit for blackmagic a camera Mm. and that has all of the key audio and all of the lenses and everything that i would need if i was only grabbing one of those kits Mm. and then the b camera is generally just the camera body and extra things that we may need for any given shoot Mm. so when i was when i was doing photography and when i then transitioned to cinematography i kind of learned that being organized was 90 percent of the hard work of course so having everything prepared beforehand meant that you were ready for anything that could get thrown at you in the middle of a shoot Mm. whereas if i was just packing randomly and just kind of picking and choosing things every single project or every single day guaranteed my my absolutely terrible memory would mean that i would forget something i would <laughs> forget it i would forget a cable or i wouldn't pack like 
the extra two batteries or mm. I'd leave the the mic at home but have the receiver and it's like I, I just have a terrible memory. So mm. I know if I keep things all in their allocated spots, then I'm I'm good to go. Mm. Yeah, that's something actually that I'm for the lack of a better word, I'm missing sometimes because I with testing bags, I always need to switch up how I pack and stuff like that. And with camera bags, it's it's a very tedious, annoying, but very satisfying and enjoyable process. Because for all of you who never owned a camera bag, those dividers have this Velcro in them. And if you don't properly put them into each spot, it's so annoying to... It's, remove it's the, the velcro worst thing. yeah definitely it's the best and worst thing yeah. in the world i have i seriously have i think uh <laughs> oh god bags and bags and with the bags dividers full right of those padded dividers <sighs> just from like bags that i've had in the past and yeah. gotten rid of or but i've managed to keep all of the dividers for some reason mm. so i have like hundreds of foam dividers yeah. that I'm never going to use, but <laughs> still got them. Yeah, and yeah. It's a love yeah, and a hate relationship. Is the most satisfying thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And because they are supposed to keep those very fragile and expensive lenses in place, the Velcro is very strong. That is why it's so <laughs> difficult to yeah, rearrange yeah. stuff. And I've seen. Even velcro the silent velcro stuff which is like in the first the first time i tried i was like wow this is incredible this is a game changer and then you realize no they don't hold in place that well <laughs> they do anything no they just, as soon as you move you pick the bag up all of you exactly just right to the bottom so of the annoying. bag <laughs> yeah but it's fun it's fun to arrange the oh yeah i love the it bag. it's it's like it's like flat laying every single time you like do a new orientation it's like okay pull everything out and arrange it and mm. figure it all out and what's going to work best and it's always satisfying so now going from okay consider so as mentioned i will switch up the questions a little bit um sure. considering you are not that you are more into edc um hmm. and you carry a lot of camera gear most of the time which is very heavy do you also are you rocking a sling bag for edc i'm not actually because um i have like again i i'm realizing a little bit of a theme on my own here is that i have a very set specific carriage for like every single day and it's like <laughs> i know exactly what it is it's a little bit of ocd but that's fine i'm okay with that um but no i i carry my edc items on me at all times okay so i've got i've got um a wallet mm -hmm. a really minimal wallet um and then i've got um a Swiss Army knife Alox um, cool. specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, then I have a Fisher Space Pen, a small field notes, um, my phone, and my Pixel Buds. So mm -hmm. I, I am in the Google camp and I have the Pixel Buds. Which and phone do you have? Just for reference I of the, size. I got a Pixel 3 XL. Okay, so it's so a bigger it's, one. It's okay. A big, mm -hmm. It's a it's a big old camera a big old phone um and then also my knife of choice goes between the um benchmade bug out mm -hmm. and the um civivi elementum the, like, you carry two, two knives kind of, no no i i go between them okay two. okay I so, see. so i i'll have my alox which does have a knife in it mm -hmm. and then i'll have a dedicated um knife as well um, but that's that's pretty much the only thing that switches out in my carry mm. is which one of the two knives I carry on a given day. So your your everything else is exactly the same. Your loadout is uh, is besides the notebook is the same like my uh, loadout. Mm. So if you wouldn't, I think the only thing that you carry that I don't is a torch. I used to carry a torch. Yeah, I don't anymore. But I carry that in my jacket, so I'm not. So I'm not now. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. Just do you carry the field notebook in your pockets? Yeah, back pocket. 
also you sit on it yeah. and um do yeah. you do you carry it like naked or do you have like like a leather um cover Current, on it? yeah currently i'm just carrying it naked mm. um but i am working on a cover for it yeah mm. because if if it wouldn't be uh for the field notes i would say okay that all fits into your into your pants pockets because that's the same loadout that i have i used to mm -hmm. carry a field notes as well and i also carried it in my back pocket but i noticed that i'm not, i don't know if i sit weirdly but after a month it just falls apart due to me i don't know yeah, like mine, sitting on it weirdly mine, <laughs> mine curls under a little bit yeah yeah i actually ended up switching from like just the straight jet black um field notes to you know the um the high-vis orange ones that are like a right in the rain oh, cool. style but but it's field notes mm -hmm. orientated and um it holds its shape phenomenally well like even even Ooh, in that's a good back to pocket know. for like months at a time like the it, um, field notes okay let me i'm gonna google that i so. remember what one that is um sorry everyone if you can hear my <laughs> my keyboard but i need to check out if amazon germany has the field notes Expedition. what was it called expedition field notes expedition okay. i swear by it it's it's a right in the rain version expedition. of field notes uh Strangely enough, they don't have it in Germany. Really? There is the right in the rain all weather field flex, and yeah, because right in the rain is its brand is a brand on its own. So right yeah. in the rain is like a whole brand. So if you search that, that's what will come up. But the field notes expedition is specifically the one that I'm there's the about. pitch black. That's yeah. what I used to carry. Yeah. Um, yeah, Germany is all about moleskin most of the time. Field notes is yeah, rarely yeah. available. Yeah, but maybe I should start carrying a notebook again because I noticed I usually write down everything into the Evernotes app, but since the update, the Evernotes app is a little bit gotten has gotten a little bit slower. So I started to yeah. keep uh, write everything into Google Keep. But then yep. again, I have two apps on my phone and it kind of annoys me. <laughs> so, yeah. I did the same. For for so long, I tried to use Evernote and just for the life of me, I could never keep up with all of the subdivision that mm. it, it has within it, which is great. Like if that's the sort of thing that you use, you use all of those like subdivisions within it and you use the multiple mm. like media inputs. It's like it's great for that. But because I have a Google phone, I use keep because mm. I can access that anywhere I am, whether I've got my phone or not. Sure. And so like for a digital note keeping app, I just use keep. Yeah. But if it's something that I have to remember, <laughs> it'll go into the field notes because otherwise yeah, I won't. Yeah, I should I should start again carrying that. But yeah, back to to what I wanted to say is considering the field note or maybe someone with ultra skinny jeans i would say that both of our pocket loadouts are right on the verge of someone saying okay i probably just should carry a, a sling bag yeah. and i assume that once you carry your fuji x100f or just to roam around the city with a camera would you consider carry uh, how do you carry stuff like that do you just go for so the, a backpack then or do you no so the thing is it's like i either carry my work camera bag oh, if okay. i'm using that camera mm -hmm. if i'm using that camera specifically but if i'm using my fuji the thing i love about that is it's so discreet that i don't mind carrying that mm -hmm. like around like around my neck like i've got a like leather camera strap for that i have no problem carrying that around my neck because 99% of people won't know the value of the yeah. Fuji X100s. Like they just don't know. It just looks like True. an old film camera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really takes a second look, which is why I like it so much. It's really discreet mm -hmm. and such a powerful camera for something so discreet. 
but I don't mind just carrying that on my persons mm. and everything else, whether I'm leaving the house or going and getting milk or going away on a trip. It, mm is exactly the same loadout for me, like exactly the same. I'll have that in my jeans pockets every day of the week. doesn't matter what it is. So you're actually very minimalistic when it comes down to to carrying stuff, so, yeah, so I, to speak. I, I don't generally like carrying stuff too much. Mm. I don't really like having a bag. Like I'm the kind of person that will – not put on a hoodie if it's a chance that I won't be wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'd rather be cold <laughs> than I would like have to take it off and put it into a backpack. Yeah, I just, yeah. I'd get not nah, screw it. I'll just wear a long sleeve shirt. Yeah. I'll go cold. <laughs> In that regard, I'm completely different. I'd, I'd rather be sweating than be cold. And put no, on more can't clothes. Can't do it. <laughs> no, can't do it. Give me winter every, every really? single like, all year round. Yeah, winter all year round, please. Oh, oh, maybe you should move to Germany then. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, I say that with the advantage of living in Australia, where yeah. it doesn't get that cold where I am. Like I can, I can still, on some winter days, still rock like uh, just a short sleeve shirt. But do you have snow? Jeans, in Sydney, at some point, I know. No, not in not in Sydney. No, uh -huh. um, not where I am. There's you can, there's snow probably another two two to three hours south of mm. um, Sydney, but nah, not here. Not here, it's too coastal. Oh, that must be great. It's so cold yeah. in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'd love that. I'd right. love that. I'd just be like, yep, give me all the leather jackets and I'll just like move to Germany. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, yeah, it's probably always greener on the other side, right? It's, exactly. Uh, that's exactly that's about right. it. So, yeah, but, but I don't, I, I can't stand the 40 degree days that we have here. I, I, for, 40 degrees Celsius. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. But is it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I only know those temperatures from Indonesia and Indonesia is, is a tropical country. Is it, is it a dry heat in Sydney? Yeah. Right. It's due to yeah, the ozone yeah, the holes part, and stuff like for that. For the most part. Yeah. It's for pretty the most dry. Part. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So my next question is also about the EDC because I asked that in our last discord meetup and it's about what's the next EDC item that you consider getting? Is it a completely new item, a, a new category, or would you are you considering to switch something out in your current EDC? Because I'm actually looking for inspiration. Yeah, I've um I've got my eye on a couple of different knives, but also I'm looking at some watches as well. I don't often wear um watches i i have two like a smart a smart watch like i've got a samsung gear s3 like the original mm -hmm. gear and a um a swiss wenger um watch mm -hmm. which i do love very much but um it's just very big it's mm -hmm. it's i got it for my 18th birthday and it was too big then and it still hasn't gotten that much more proportion for me so <laughs> I, I need to get something a little smaller on the wrist because i enjoy i enjoy wearing um watches but I, I just don't have an appropriately sized one right now and i like um i like the seikos i like there's there's a couple of seikos that i really like the look of so do you know the diameter what's the diameter uh, of the watch that oh um, it is huge Oh wow! It I already, I can see it. Uh, it's, on the, yeah, it's, it's a big it's a big watch. Looks like a forty two, right? Should I be. think it is? Yeah, yeah. actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rule it right here. It is. Yeah, it's a forty two mm. um, case, but the the thing is, it's also um, domed. Yeah, so it sits it's very really, thick, really yeah. high. It's um yeah, it's like a. Yeah, it's about a 12 mil. Mm. That's a huge one. And it's a I, big one. I know exactly. I mean, you know that I'm not that tall. And so I'm, I also always struggle with the size of a watch. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. 
it's difficult. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty short, dude, too. So it's uh, trying to find a watch that balances that line between um, basically a women's size watch mm. and something that's gigantic on your wrist. So, <laughs> um, but I, I do like the look of some of the Seikos. And yeah, they're they awesome. Some, some sizes. They look like they're a really good middle ground for a lot of um, wrist, wrist size. Do you are you considering like like a diving watch or something? I like the chronographs. I like the chronographs mm. a lot. I I used to have like just a really cheap like no name brand um, chronograph mm. um, a few years ago, and I lost it. I lost it when I was moving house, and so ever since then I've kind of been looking for a chronograph that I like the look of, and I stumbled when I realized that Seiko was in that really nice middle ground between not a super budget watch, but mm. also not in the 500 plus category. Um, I, I found that Seiko actually has a lot of chronographs. Mm. Like I think I've found like 10 different chronographs by Seiko alone. That's an so, incredible brand. That's really yeah. high craftsmanship and uh, the movement is very reliable, high quality. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I'm looking at a couple of the chronographs. Uh, I think I'm going to pull the trigger in the next two months. So mm. yeah, that'll be the next one. So I just need to like make a new band for it. Oh, you hold up. You can make uh, leather bands as well. Yeah. Yeah. I made that one. Oh. That's a. Uh, I, I made a. Uh, I made a shell core van leather watch strap. Um, oh which wow! For for a lot of people that don't know, shell quarter van is like considered the most expensive leather in the world. So these watch straps go for like three four hundred dollars when you buy them from like a company that only does that oh okay But maybe I, i need i need uh to order one for my steinhardt from you then i didn't know yeah, that yeah. that you also make watch bands uh, awesome. there's there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of things that i make that um are kind of just my own sort of carry now because mm -hmm. i'm i um i like to test things for a long period of time so i have a whole handful of things that have never seen the light of social media, but they're getting very heavy use by myself or close friends for testing mm. to see if there's any kind of wearing points that I can improve on before I produce it to market. Oh, I really want to uh, plug your leather works. It's McGinnis Leather on Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it, McGinnis Leather, all one word. So everyone, check out that Instagram. I'm, I really like the the work you put uh, the craftsmanship into all of the stuff thanks man so that's thanks. that's going to be a cool collaboration when you uh when we make those um or well, we i'm not i i'm not allowed to say we because you that's will, will make them <laughs> no 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 it's a collaboration i'm more than happy to hear you that's fine by me so that's a that's brand collaboration to, that's going to be fun i, I i'm i think yeah. leather is such a such an interesting product i know that probably not everyone is into leather but even if you are vegan i think i maybe i'm leaning a, a little bit um i'm polarizing now to say that Even if you're vegan, you can appreciate the look of leather. Maybe that's a little bit too far, but I, I think no, the, I, I the, don't think that that's too far. I have I have vegan friends that um, say that they they love the look and surprisingly the smell of the leather products that I make, but they could never, in good conscience, mm. buy the products. And I I completely respect that. I actually mm. went as far as to. Um, by a vegan alternative which is cork it's basically mm -hmm. um cork i think you sh you, you, sh you showed that th you showed uh, mm. us that in the last disc uh, or in one of the discord meetups i believe it's a very very interesting material mm. it's um yeah it, it goes down a very interesting path of which one is more sustainable mm. whether it's um vegan leather and the cork because it's incredibly expensive and damaging to some um, processes to create the product versus 
um, leather that is sustainably sourced mm-hmm. or um, only sourced from things like the meat industry, which is an ongoing industry that's not going mm. anywhere. So it's a byproduct of that industry yeah. that would otherwise go to waste. So um, speaking of leather, yeah. how did you get or how did you become interested in um, leather works in general? Was it for the um, smell, the look of leather, or was it because of the craftsmanship to make something to work with those tools or is was there something else that draw you towards becoming a leather smith was yeah that right so <laughs> as i think it's just leather worker i leather can never worker. tell because okay. it's kind of interchangeable <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah uh, the 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 thing with um leather work for me is before i actually got into it I never owned any like real leather products at all. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily um, leather specific items that drew me to it. It was actually because I felt like I was missing something. Mm. So the thing is when I, okay, backing up just a little (laughs) bit, um, (laughs) my, my whole life so far has been based around, uh, digital content creation Mm -hmm. when i got into photography years and years and years and years and years ago um i learned in film but my first camera was digital Mm -hmm. right when digital cameras like kind of just became a thing yeah um and so from that point on i was producing only digital content and that's been oh geez i was 16 then, 30 now. God, I don't even know how long. (laughs) (laughs) Math is not my strong suit. That's fine. (laughs) Same. same. Yeah, yeah. But but anyway, long enough that the only form of real creative outlet or producing something has only ever been digital. Mm. So it was always photography that was online, fleeting sort of... um, things that never really stayed for very long. And then when I got into film, um, it was much of the same. And that was the reason I switched to film is because I thought that I was missing something from photography. It it felt really stagnant. Um, I still love photography. I I still shoot all the time, but I felt like I was missing something. And then when I got into cinematography, fell in love with the craft all over again, learn a whole bunch of new skills, met a whole bunch of new people and still felt like I was missing something. And I realized I was missing being able to create something tangible, something that you could hold in your hands Mm. that wasn't just a photo print that went on someone's wall. It was something that like you could physically hold and touch and was just tangible. I I wanted Mm. something that I could hold. I wanted to make something that I could hold. And, and so it really came down to that and space. <laughs> Leatherworking is an incredible craft if you don't have a lot of space when you start. I started on just the kitchen bench with like a really cheap set of um, leatherworking tools and a really cheap, nasty hide of leather that was really not right for what I was doing. And I learnt from there and then fell in love with the craft like massively and went down that rabbit hole that you inevitably go down when you fall in love with something that is a niche within itself and finding out that there is $2 versions of some tools that also have $800 versions of those (laughs) tools and (laughs) it was like photography all over again. (laughs) So the, the key thing that drove me was wanting something tangible mm. i wanted something I could hold i wanted to make something i could hold and what i didn't realize as a byproduct from that was i'm inherently through photography and cinematography a storyteller and the thing i love about leather is it comes to you already with a story oh, so the leather true. itself already has 
scars and markings mm-hmm. and sometimes brands and like um just all kinds of yeah. real true characteristics and so anytime that i make something if i can make it with a piece that has a bit of a story to it already i love that that's like i will not ever avoid <clears throat> anything that has a unique mark in the leather like i ha- i have items that have like holes in them and i hope it's not too graphic but the holes that are in the pieces of leather working i have are from like markings of where the animal was injured mm. so like barbed wire scratches yeah. are a very distinct thing on leather and um holes in the sides of animals where yeah, it's been yeah. infected it grows differently and that is inherently part of the story of that animal before it even gets to me i, think, I love that i can do that oh i think speaking of those marks and stuff like that and picking up on a sentence that you said a couple of sentences before i think it's what you're doing is also some form of honoring the the animal because as you mentioned it's a byproduct of the meat industry and instead of throwing away the leather you make something beautiful out of it absolutely and what i really liked i know this is an audio only podcast and i'm not sure if it I think it translated into the audio, but just seeing how you speak about what how you <laughs> got into into this craftsmanship. Uh, so for all of you who only listen to this, there was so much passion <laughs> in your eyes and how you mm. talk about this. This is incredible. I I, I always yeah. love listening to people who tell me about. A specific passion and i can see that this is something where you found i know i know for a fact that what you're doing as a filmmaker is your passion but this is also a passion and it's cool to see how you work that into something that you can create that's incredible that's really cool yeah yeah no it's um my wife always tells me that there's very few things in this world that make me light up. One is my animals, one is my cameras, and one is my leather working. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't know you yeah. have animals. What kind of animals do you have? Oh, I've got a bit of a zoo here. <laughs> really? No. Yeah. Um, we have uh, a dog. We have a lizard. We have seven birds. Wow. We have fish as well. <laughs> oh, wow. What kind of dog do um, you have? We have a staffy. He's a ten-year-old. Really, oh, I love yeah. staffs. Yeah. I would have loved to. Nugget. Yeah, we we wanted to have a staff, but um, yeah, as you probably know, uh, there is a certain stigma when it comes mm-hmm. down to staffs, and me yeah. not. I know this sounds a little bit strange, but me not being white and my wife has a lot of tattoos i already know that if we would have a staff which actually isn't allowed in hamburg um it would draw a lot of wrong attention Um, of course yeah so that's why we got this 40 kilo labrador instead (laughs) (laughs) i know and it's funny because it's like every time every time we see you in the Discord meeting. It's like you've just come back from walking the dog and then right afterwards I'm going to walk the dog again. Yeah. And I'm just like, my staffy just sleeps all day. <laughs> There's this like horrible stigma with like staffies and like he he could not be phased by a fly. Yeah. As, long as, as long as he has the couch and our bed, it, <laughs> nothing else exists to him. <laughs> is the most chill dog i've ever met yeah i don't i mean i know it for a fact my wife being a dog trainer that smaller dogs make much more trouble um oh than, yeah than oh staffs yeah. um yeah my, my wife's a um a vet nurse a training vet nurse oh. and um yeah it's it's very interesting the the stories that she comes home with like little dogs like little pomeranians or little chihuahuas that are just like attitude out the wazoo but like the big 
AM staffies and like the the Rottweilers and stuff that people yeah. think have a really negative connotation are uh, just like big babies. They're yeah. such softies and like. <laughs> and then you see a Chihuahua, it come, right? It always comes down. Yeah. Mull your face off. <laughs> we have like one of our na- neighbors has three Chihuahuas and they are always barking and are e- extremely aggressive. <laughs> our mm-hmm. 40 kilo oh, yeah. dog is like oh, always yeah. like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's five kilos of just pure aggression. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. I didn't know. That's so cool that your your wife yeah, is a vet and you have so many animals. We uh, no, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. What another reason why I at some point I need to come visit you in Sydney. It's so high yeah, on my list. Welcome. Although I'm really I'm really scared of uh, spiders and all of the <laughs> animals and insects in australia that could kill you once you leave the airplane you would hate oh you would hate this then today literally when i went to pick up my wife from um work there was a a huntsman i was about this big that was just sitting in my car i was like i opened the door i'm like oh um shall we get this out before we get back in the car is it is (laughs) it true that that you have whenever you like store your shoes outside you have to uh, switch them around so that no animal. It depends where you live. It depends okay. where you live. Okay. Seriously, it's 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 very specific to like where you live in Australia because okay. um, things like funnel webs, absolutely, like they they want to like get in your shoes and make little hollows and everything because that that just looks like a a log to them. So they'll they'll go and try and make a nest in there, but. It's the sort of thing that's like so ingrained in Australian culture that you kind of just shake your shoes out before you try and <laughs> before you go oh. putting them on. It's just like something you learn from that's like so a really young scary. age. <laughs> Holy crap! No, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, my my wife literally the other day had to. I know this is like sounds so over the top, but this happens all the time. She manages to find like the craziest scenarios where that they work kind of in a bulk retail area and the shop next to the pet store with the vets in it is an electronics store and <laughs> they came next door and were like um do you have anybody that knows anything about snakes and she's like i, I know about snakes I'm like why why and they're like well we have one inside of our store and we'd really appreciate if someone could come and take it out for us. <laughs> so she literally like walks next door and she's just got like a big like bin and like a, um, like the grabby claws that you can pick up snakes with like a snake hook and oh, no. yeah, she's fishing out this snake out of an electronics store like display. So, so you mentioned in, uh, in the first question that stuff inside your bag is medication do you have like anti-venom medication always with you and stuff like that no okay no no no. okay no it's uh, i in my entire life i have seen a snake in person maybe five times that's more than i have (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i would would honestly say three of those were voluntary they were people that i know that have okay so i i i think i've seen a snake in the wild two maybe three times that's it okay spiders are much more prevalent <laughs> there's yeah. lots of spiders spiders there. no spider no i can't i can't deal with spiders <laughs> that well to be honest and then the huntsman no oh yeah what are you yeah. what are you supposed to do when there's a huntsman are you supposed to leave it alone <laughs> then they're, they're not going thing. to attack you spiders anything. spiders spiders do not actively want to attack people oh, okay that's that's the thing like no there's i off the top of my head cannot think of any spider that actively wants to hurt a person it's usually if you disturb them or you disturb like what they're currently trying to eat mm. <laughs> that's, that's about it it's other so than that strange. you leave them alone and they'll Keep all the bugs in your house for you. It's so funny because if you consider that spiders, at least to my eyes, are one of the most dangerous 
fierce looking beings in the world that don't want to attack you and then you have like a wolf that looks cuddly to some degree as yeah. long as it doesn't and, growl and it does want to eat you yeah and it does eat and you. you're not supposed to turn around and run away it's yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly that's, that's the thing. weird it's like we, australia has like the i think eight of the top 10 deadliest spiders and eight of the top 10 deadliest snakes in the entire world. Um, and I, I could not tell you, I've, I've never seen almost any of them. Mm. Is <laughs> it not a thing? Yeah. Is it okay? I know this is a strange question that has nothing to do with, with our podcast, but is it true <laughs> that koalas have like STDs? Like, or is that yeah, chlamydia? They do chlamydia, yeah, chlamydia and gonorrhea and stuff like that. Or it's it's primarily chlamydia. Yeah, That's they, weird. They just naturally have chlamydia. So you <laughs> yep. better not touch uh, a koala bear. No, no, you can cuddle them. They're soft little cutie things, but okay. don't get like scratched or bitten by one. Oh, which could happen easily because they have this these claws, right? So they could oh, yeah. scratch you <laughs> yeah, easily, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, pissed off koalas are terrifying. <laughs> oh, really? They're yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. If they're awake, they sleep like 22 hours or 20 hours of the day or something like that. But if you're awake and uh, if they're awake and they're unhappy, they're, they're uh, scary little buggers. <laughs> so is it is it like I definitely not within sydney but if you get into the rural areas is it like like a cat wandering oh, you around have... you see a koala or a kangaroo like wandering around or? um no, not like not in sydney like oh, okay. you've got to get a little bit out of sydney mm. like there are there are parts of it where you'll see like koalas and sometimes like there are parts of sydney that are like semi-rural that um you'll see kangaroos for sure but I live so about an hour north. I live about an hour north of Sydney, and like seeing kangaroos in bushland around mm. my house is is not uncommon at all. Yes, that's, that's such a funny continent. <laughs> it feels like those stories are like out of the world. I mean, we get all excited when there's like a hedgehog or a deer or something, and you have like. <laughs> Huge ass kangaroos with those muscles and stuff like that. Oh yeah, no, don't mess with kangaroos. They, they will mess you up. Kangaroos are terrifying. When like like big, big red kangaroos, they are terrifying. I always have this this um, video that was viral in my head where the kangaroo attacked a dog. And the owner of the dog ran towards the kangaroo and punched that kangaroo Goes up in the and face. Punches it around the face. Yeah, I love that video. That it's so Australian. So it is so Australian because that's exactly what anybody with a dog that gets attacked by a kangaroo. That is exactly the reaction that every Australian dog owner would have. But does that does it happen often that the kangaroo would attack another animal? Are they so oh, territorial yeah. or or yeah? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Roos are like pretty crazy here. <laughs> like, oh, okay. The, the, thing that, the thing that people don't realize is kangaroos are a pest. Like oh. here in Australia, kangaroos are a pest. Um, so much so that there are still to this day um, government permits handed out to rural hunters mm. to cull kangaroos. It's, it's not a nice thing, but they are a pest here. Mm. Um, yeah, like there are some parts of the country where they will go and destroy crops. They will like do like a lot of damage to like. It's basically like property. bunnies in other oh. countries, right? So. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, seven foot tall bunnies that will. <laughs> <laughs> that will mess you up. <laughs> <laughs> that will mess you up. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know that it's already very late where you are. So I really appreciate you um, being on this podcast and telling everyone about what you're doing. And yeah, feel free to plug your Instagram or whatever, or your social media, whatever you like. 
Yeah, sure. Um, uh, my personal account is Max Snaps, um, and my leatherworking page is McGinnis Leather. That's awesome. Yeah, everyone, check out um, Christian's leather work. It's incredible, and hopefully, you will see some work soon. Not soon, because we said it's. So for those of you who don't know, we have the YKT originals and in those originals, we have achievements. The first achievement will be a patch, then a challenge coin, and then we will definitely do some leather works. So again, thank you so much, Christian, for My pleasure. being here on this Patreon and everyone else stay safe and healthy. And thank you so much for listening. Cheers.